to the Pastoral Advisory Culturally Incorrect Material Podcast. This is episode number two. And as I had mentioned uh, in our first episode, uh, we are going to start diving into some of those uh, structural foundational elements of the North American church that actually uh, create some friction and challenges for the church to act a biblical church. So we're going to get right into it today, and we are going to start out with uh, the coveted 501c3, all right? Um, I know this can be a touchy subject uh, for a lot of people, especially business-minded people and people um, within the staff of the church, but I do believe it's something important that we need to discuss. Now, before I continue on, I want to make sure that everybody is aware that I do not believe there is anything intrinsically wrong with a 501c3. I don't believe there's anything intrinsically wrong with uh, the church uh, trying to pay um, as little taxes as our government allows, right? The Bible uh, teaches us to, you know, pay Caesar what is Caesar and God what is God's, right? And so if the government uh, allows those types of tax breaks, you know, I I don't see anything intrinsically wrong um, with churches taking advantage of them. Right, that's something that we're allowed to, and, and it could be a, a significant benefit to the church. However, I do want to point out uh, some critical aspects to the 501c3 and some of the issues that it presents uh, within the traditional church, kind of putting some blockage in the way of it being able to be a biblical reflection of the church. So, um, I, I first kind of want to talk about. So I'm actually uh, some like parachurch ministries out there. Um, if you don't know what a parachurch ministry is, it's, it's basically um, a ministry of the church that's actually not part of a local church. It's like a ministry set on its own. Um, you know, it kind of goes along with the church, but it's, it is its own ministry. And so there are actually lots of um, ministries out there. There's lots of businesses out there that their sole purpose is to help Uh, traditional churches um, achieve their 501c3 status. Um, And again, there's nothing intrinsically wrong with it, but let's look at, you know, some of the things that these these, uh, ministries focus on. Um, So I want to read a a quote out of my book, which actually comes um, from a website um, that's focus is helping churches get their uh, 501c3s. So this is what their website says. It says, it has never been easier to get started. Uh, The Get Started plan, I did change that name, um, has helped thousands of churches obtain 501c3 tax-exempt status and establish a strong foundation that protects what God has given them to lead. This proven system results in maximized protection while building strength on which to grow. Now, uh, on the outset, especially from like a business perspective, that that sounds great. It sounds fantastic, right? I mean, what church doesn't want to be protected? What church doesn't, you know, want to have strength, you know, for it to grow? I, I would I would think every church, you know, would want that. Right? Um, but what's interesting about that is it sounds really good, but it's actually counter scriptural right um and so 
even though this company, you know, may help churches obtain their nonprofit status, we have to look at the underlying message. And the undermining or underlying message is that a strong church foundation relies on what? Its nonprofit status, its strength comes from its financial state, and protection comes through whatever organization is providing the 501c3 status, right? Um, and what that means is like when this ministry's methods and practices are implemented, the church will be protected. But that is not what scripture teaches us. Scripture actually teaches us um, that our protection actually comes from God. Our strength comes from God. Um, our foundation um, should be nothing other than uh, Jesus Christ, right? Um, and in my book, I've got several uh, scripture verses that go along with it. Um, Psalms 81 or Psalms 18, 31, Psalms 94, 22, 1 Corinthians 3, 11, Ephesians 2, 20, 2 Timothy 2, 19, Psalms 27, 1, Psalms 29, 11, Isaiah 40, 29 through 31, Ephesians 6, 10, 2 Timothy 1, 7, Philippians 4, 13, Deuteronomy 31, 6, Isaiah 41, 10, and 2 Thessalonians 3, 3. All of those scriptures talk about um, something to the effect of where our power comes from, where our strength comes from, um, and, and it all points right back to God. So we have to make sure that we are not relying on organizations like this or we are not relying on our 501c3 to provide this protection and strength. We need to be providing on the Lord. Now, if, if you are getting a 501c3 simply for the tax advantages, I don't see anything wrong with that, right? But the problem is, is what tends to happen is that 501c3 becomes like a sacred cow and we don't want to do anything to lose it. Um, and so we kind of start replacing, you know, God as our protector and our strength with a 501c3, even if it's on accident, right? It's, I don't think we're intentionally doing that, but that ends up what happens, right? Um, and, and so what, I, what I've seen happen and when I've talked to, to pastors and, and other people within the church, um, whether they're staff leaders or lay leaders, right? When you start talking about this, it seems like a lot of tension ends up coming. And, and I think a lot of it does revolve around the fact that the structural foundation model that we've been using teaches 501c3 and we don't know anything else, right? Um, but most churches aren't willing to release that. They're not willing to get away from that. Um, you know, and I think a lot of times it, it can almost be like the, the rich young ruler when Jesus, I'm um, talked to the rich young ruler, right? You know, when Jesus told the rich young ruler to go sell everything to follow him, Jesus was not saying having money was bad. He was testing the rich man's heart, right? Um, in fact, I, th I think it's a, a completely plausible um, thought that if this rich young ruler was willing to sell everything and give it all away, um, Jesus might have even said, hey, you know what? Keep it. I was, I was just testing your heart, um, kind of like God did with Abraham, you know, and Isaac. Um, you know, and so 
it's a heart issue, right? When when we hold so tightly to this 501c3 as like, well, we have to have this. It, it protects us and it, you know, it allows us to not pay taxes and that allows us to have more income. You know, so we can't get rid of that. It, it kind of becomes this sacred cow. And, and that is not healthy for the church because what we end up doing is everything we do starts revolving around protecting our 501c3 status. And we actually start um, to do things that are not beneficial for the church. So I want to share a story with you that actually happened to me several years ago. And, and this was, you know, at the beginning of, you know, my faith walk with Jesus, um, you know, I was just beginning to get to know like what a Christian life looks like. I have a passion um, for students, uh, for high school students and college students. Uh, I, I love uh, teaching them. I love that they're so open to learn. Uh, they're so open to ideas, you know, and, and I think part of that is also is they haven't been conditioned by the rest of the world yet. So, so they are completely teachable. And so um, I was going to a, a church, a local church here where I live, and, and we didn't make a lot of money. Um, right we were young i didn't make a lot of money and i really felt the lord uh, you know prompting on my heart to give a money to the church specifically for youth group so i wrote out a check for a hundred dollars uh and i you know when when you know the collection came around you know i i gave the hundred dollars you know check to the church and in the memo i had you no know, for youth group and i actually I got a phone call back. I think it was a phone call. Um, regardless, the the secretary, you know, or the treasurer called me and I said, "Hey, you know, we got your check, and you know, we just want to let you know that you know, we're not able to cash that or deposit that because you um, you wrote it that you wanted to go to youth group, and we cannot give money to a specific ministry." No, and I knew nothing about how the ministry works, so I asked them why. You know, and she said because you know of our five hundred one c three status. You know, we have to remain nonprofit, and so if we donate money to a specific area in the church, and that ministry doesn't need that money, or we have met our budget, that money can't be used. And that made absolutely no sense to me, none whatsoever. So they wanted me to give it just like as a general offering. And I wasn't willing to do that because I really felt that the Lord wanted it to go to the youth ministry. And so I didn't, I did not give that hundred dollars. I took the check back. Um, and that really left me confused. It was like, well, wait, wait a minute here. Like, this government program, 501c3 that churches are using, literally got in the way of me being able to provide financial support for a ministry that I really want to support. And, and that just rubbed me the wrong way. Um, and, and that's kind of been one of the focal points of a lot of my research when it comes to 501c3s and churches and ultimately, you know, my book, Awakening the Sleeping Giant, Church Rediscovered, because 
I believe if, if there's something that you want to do within the church, you should be able to do it. Um, the government should not be able to get in the way of that. Um, a nonprofit status shouldn't be able to get in the way of that. Um, you know, I think there, there's other ways to get around that because I'm not looking for a tax write-off. You know, when I give to the church, you know, I think it could have been suggested, hey, why don't you write a personal check to one of the youth group leaders and they can use it for ministry. Um, you know, I think there were probably lots of other ways that this could have been resolved. But th the problem is, is that everybody's worried about, you know, income and paying taxes. But if we really trust the Lord and we, we view the Lord as our provider and our protector and our strength of the church, shouldn't we believe that even if we have to pay taxes, the Lord is going to provide the income to do so? And, and I think a lot of it even comes down to like, we just don't trust the Lord to do what he says he's going to do. We have to implement these outside sources um, because we don't trust the Lord. We're not trusting the Lord to do those things. Now, now again, if you, if you want to have a 501c3, there's nothing intrinsically wrong with that. But when, when that starts interfering with the church reflecting a biblical church and when that starts interfering with actual ministry that's when it becomes a problem and and as my book talks about you know it all begins with that foundational system the foundational structure because remember the structure demands the outcome and so when you have a church that's built up on a business platform or nonprofit platform, they're essentially uh, the same, right? They're, they're functioning the same way. Um, the only difference is, is, is how they track um, their finances, how they record their finances, and how they file their taxes. But as far as how it operates, they're essentially the same thing. They are designed to bring in as much money as possible right and that's what churches have a general fund for you know is for that overflow right they can have an overflow in the general fund because that can go wherever you know they have a budget they got to meet you know i'm not a 501c3 expert i don't know all of the details but i do know like that's why they have this general fund that way that money can go wherever right but you don't necessarily know where that money is going, you know, and and I would say it's pretty fair to say that most churches are not sharing their financial statements, you know, so the church knows where their money's going. I'm not even saying it's necessarily necessary, but the point of that is, is that the 501c3 gets in the way of being fully obedient to the Lord and anything that gets in the way of us being fully obedient to the Lord is something that we really should reconsider. Now, I'm not saying I'm perfect and there's nothing in my life that doesn't get there are there's things in my life that get in the way of that. And, you know, every day I'm growing every day I'm changing, you know, and like Paul said, I'm running the race to win it. Um, but there's things I definitely do that I shouldn't do. Right. Just like Paul said, you know, like, I do the things I don't want to do and the things I want to do, I don't do and I don't understand that. Um, it's, it's a mystery. 
But when we're talking about the church specifically, especially the local church, I think we need to be asking ourselves, should we be utilizing a 501c3? Or should we just be a, you know, quote unquote, for profit, you know, entity, right? That maybe we don't make any profit, you know, or what, what does profit look like? We still give money away, right? We can still help people out, right? But then the, the, you know, the limitations that we have are significantly less, right? Um, but I think there's even a better way to do that in a much more biblical way. And that revolves around um, how the church actually gathers and what does that look like, right? Because in the United States, you know, when we hear the word church, we automatically think of this big building where everybody gathers, you know, in this organization and all of this stuff. But that's not what we see in scripture, right? Um, we do see large gatherings, but it typically was in public places um, or uh, somebody's home or property, right? There wasn't like this organization that met somewhere um, huge, you know, regarding the Christian church. Now, obviously you have the, the synagogues where the Jews met, but that's completely different, right? And so I think we need to begin asking ourselves, is even the gathering structure you know, align, does that align with scripture? And I don't think it does because what we start seeing is that this, the structure we're using actually starts requiring a lot of different things, right? It requires a building, which requires money. You know, you have utilities and you have staff and all this stuff, which requires more money, right? And, and as we talked about in episode one, you know, more money requires more people, more people require so us to attract more people and by attracting more people that will ultimately lead to a compromise of truth, right? And so I think we need to start looking at, and this is really what my book talks about, is, is gathering together in, in much smaller groups, right? Um, maybe in somebody's home, you know, in a barn, in, in somebody's property, maybe somebody owns a business and they've got a conference room that they'll just let you meet in for free right but there's no need to gather on a regular basis you know in a large area we can do that in smaller numbers right and, and we'll be talking about this later in my book but my book talk walks through like the progression of church growth you know starting small and and ending um, with multiple smaller locations and then having um, you know larger gatherings larger regional gatherings um on a less frequent basis but we're going to get into that later today i just wanted to talk about the 501c3 so i really hope that makes a lot of sense to you um, if you have any questions please email me at be the at gmail.com i would love to try to answer questions uh, if you want to be on the show um, email me at the same address and we will schedule a time to get you on um, so I hope you guys enjoyed this. I hope it made some sense. I hope it begins some new conversations. So thank you for joining the pastoral advisory, culturally incorrect material podcast. And until next time.